Now let's give the Lord Jesus a round of applause. Would you do that? Amen, amen. Praise God. Just tell him before you're seated, I love you, Jesus. And you may be seated. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Allen and Valerie, for one more trip here to South Metro Ministries. Uh, it's always a joy and a privilege to come here. I, I uh, always leave here being blessed more than anyone here. And my wife Peggy and I love you, Brother Allen, Sister Valerie, and we cherish your love and friendship. I, too, love being around this man of God. He is he's a winner, and I like to run with winners and not losers. How about you? When I was an uh, overseer up in southern New England, my wife and I found a place to where we could go get twin lobsters for nine ninety-five. Now, that's been several years ago. But uh, we went there two or three times a week. And uh, one day, one of the waitresses brought me two lobsters, and one of them had just one claw out there like this. I said, hold it, hold it. What, what is this right here? She said, well, we have this big vat there in, in the back, and we put all the lobster in there. Sometimes... A larger lobster will catch a smaller lobster by his claws and just pull his whole claw and arm and everything off. I said, well, glory to God, you take this loser back and bring me the winner. That's the one I want. <laughs> Amen. I don't even want to eat a loser. If you run with losers, you'll become a loser. you run with winners, you'll think like a winner. But uh, let me hurry to say that just recently we had... Pastor Mathur to come to our general headquarters in Cleveland, Tennessee. The general overseer is also very selective who comes to headquarters to speak to our headquarters family. And just recently, Pastor Allen was there, and I mean knocked it out of the park with the bases loaded. Grand Slam preacher. Amen. Give Brother Mathur a round. God bless you, Pastor. Amen. You know, when you've got a good pastor, whenever they can uh, always be on the state council in the state of North Georgia, and when people are always wanting them to come and speak to your group, and we're so thankful for his ministry, for what God is doing here, and the atmosphere. I leaned over to my wife and he told her, I said, isn't this atmosphere great here? You know, I go to some places where the people look like they just got back from a dill pickle convention somewhere. And they look like they've just lost their job and they've lost their best friend and everything's gone wrong. But I like this atmosphere. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Ruth. you got a Bible like mine. It's on page 255. And if you'll stand, please, for the reading of the Word. Someone said, well, why do you ask us to stand? I'm tired. Well, if we can stand to honor a judge when he walks into a courtroom, if we can stand when the President of the United States walks into a room to honor his position, surely we can stand to honor the Word of God. As it's being read. Somebody shout Amen. Today from the book of Ruth, I want to give you four chapters, but I want to speak that in about 30 to 40 minutes. Ruth is one of the few, were, few books of the Bible uh, that has a lady, a woman, the other being the book of Ruth or Esther. But here in the book of Ruth, these four chapters, chapter 1 points to chapter 2, chapter 2 points to chapter 3, chapter 3 points to chapter 4. Each chapter has its own theme about it. For instance... Chapter number one will deal with the subject, where is God when it hurts? Chapter two deals with the subject, nothing just happens. There is somebody bigger and above all of us who is working out the details of our lives. The third chapter deals with the subject, Sometimes God will close some doors in our lives that He might open bigger and better doors in our lives. Mm. Lord, you better help me this morning. The fourth chapter deals with the subject, The best is yet to come. Chapter 1 
Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He had his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephorites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Verse 5, And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Chapter 4, verse 13. I love to hear those pages turn. Sounds like the brush of angels' wings. Verse 13, chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, who loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became a nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. And Hezron begot Ram. And Ram begot Aminadad. And Aminadad begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David. David begot Solomon. Solomon begot Rehoboam. It looks like a Hebrew phone book, doesn't it? These names are very important. You may be seated. As we look at the book of Ruth, you have a man by the name of Boaz who is a picture, an object lesson of the Lord Jesus Christ. So every time we talk about Boaz today, think about him being a, a, an object lesson of Jesus. Then you have Ruth who is a picture of of you and I as a sinner. She was an outcast person. She was a Moabite. And the Moabites came from the offspring of Lot and his oldest daughter's incestual relationship together. So that's where they came from. But in these four chapters is a beautiful story of what I'm going to call the romance of redemption between a maid from Moab and a bachelor from Bethlehem. Are you ready to go this morning? Chapter 1. Where is God when it hurts? Now, I know some people, they say right off the bat, Now, preacher, you can just skip chapter 1. And I wake up every day fat, happy, dumb, and sassy. I never have a headache. I never go through a problem. All my children are like angels. Everybody treats me good. And I just got it made. Well, you just keep going to bed every night. And you keep getting up every morning... And one of these days, you're going to come to a place of trouble in your life. And if, if, you, if you're one of those ones, you know, that you get up every day and you sing home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope play, and seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the sky's not cloudy all day, I don't have much to say to you. But if you've ever been down to a jailhouse to get one of your family members out... If you've ever had to put one of your family members into a rehab somewhere. If you've ever had somebody to tell a lie on you and kick you while you're already down. If you've ever been to the doctor and he gave you, oh my Lord, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been to the doctor and he gave you a bad report. I just got news for you. God knows right where you are in the time when you hurt. Mm. Here was Naomi. 
She lost her husband. Now, they were living in Bethlehem, which is called the House of Bread. And they had a famine there. The economy got bad. So they moved away to Moab, about 51 miles away, because they heard that the economy was really good down there. And so here goes Naomi, Elimelech, her husband, and their two sons, Melon and Chilion. They get down there, and after a while, the Bible says that Naomi's husband, Elimelech, passes away. And then these two sons, Melon and Chilion, they married two Moabite girls, Orpah and Ruth. After ten years living together, uh, they uh, being married, they didn't have one son to give back to Naomi. And so the Bible said, after these ten years, that both Malon and Chilion also died. Now here's a woman, lost her husband, lost her two sons without a grandbaby, and then she was, had, probably had dreams of maybe uh, one day that she'd have a grandbaby. She'd watch that grandbaby grow up and go to school and graduate, become a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or a school teacher. All these dreams she had, and all of a sudden, her husband dies, her two sons died. She must must have been the first person in the whole wide world that coined the phrase, when it rains, it pours. I wonder in a crowd this size, if there's not somebody here that feels like when it rains, it pours. Well, then if you are, I've got a word to say to you today. Because here was Naomi, she got so bitter because she lost her husband, she lost her two sons, and she was left alone, she thought, but she wasn't alone. God was walking right by her side. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, just because God is not talking to you doesn't mean He's not working for you. You see, we live our lives forward, but we understand it better by looking backwards. You see, friend, if God showed us everything that was coming our way, there would be no need to trust Him. Come on here now. You know what real church faith is? Real biblical faith is? That's the kind of faith that just keeps on hanging in there even when things are not going your way. I wonder if there's somebody in the house this morning. Things are not going your way, but you just keep on hanging in there. Oh, let me tell you, if you'll just hang on in chapter 1, God is already in chapter 2. Oh, somebody shout amen. Now, you see, we can't get too upset with Naomi. Naomi didn't have chapter 2, 3, and 4 to go by. She was in chapter 1. She was wondering, where is God when it hurts? Ladies and gentlemen, here she was. She even got bitter. She said, God has dealt bitterly with me. But we see, we can't criticize her too bad. She didn't have this book of Ruth, the whole thing, to look back on. You and I have it. We know that she is in chapter 1, but God's already looking ahead to chapter 2. And not only that, God was looking ahead to chapter 3 and chapter 4. You see, when we see something here on this earth, and if you were to go to a parade to look at a parade, you see the first part of the parade. If you sit there long enough, you'll see the ending of the parade. But you go up onto a 20-story building. You can see the beginning of the parade. You can see the end of the parade and everything in between all at the same time. Now let's take that up to a holy, heavenly level. God said in Isaiah 55, your ways are not my ways. And neither are my ways your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He's saying, look, don't you talk about me. Don't you think I don't know where you are. I'm at a higher level than you. I see your life from the very beginning. I see it at the very end. And I see everything that's going on in between. Give the Lord a head cup of praise. When you read Tony Campolo's autobiography, he tells a story. When he started the first grade, because they were in a bad neighborhood, Tony Campolo's mother gave a girl in the third grade 15 cents a week to walk Tony to school. After he had finished the first grade, started the second grade, he said to his mama, Mama, I'm a big boy now. I don't need anybody to walk me to school. 
She said, now, Tony, we've been over this before. This is, this is a bad neighborhood, and I just don't believe you, can, you need to walk to school by yourself. But, Mama, I'm a big boy. If you'll just let me walk to school by myself, I'll just charge you a nickel. You can keep the dime. <laughs> Finally, she said, okay, Tony, we'll try this, see how it works out. So one day at a family reunion, his mother overheard him telling the others, I'm a big boy now. I walk to school right by myself every day. I don't need anybody to walk me to school. She took it long as she could. She said, Tony, come over here, son. I don't want to embarrass you in front of your friends, but you have never walked one day to school by yourself. Because when you went out the front door, I went out the side door. And when you got two houses up, I followed you. And when three o'clock came, I was standing behind a tree when you walked by. You have never walked one day. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you are not alone. God is walking every step of the way. He's right by your side. Give him a hand. Clap of praise in this house. Well, praise him in this house. Praise him in this house. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. But I like the way chapter 1 ends up. It ends up by saying this, Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Not at the beginning of barley planting. They returned to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. It was God's way of saying, Naomi... It isn't over until I say it's over. Your life, Naomi, is to be continued. The fact that you are still here. I, I took your husband. Yes, I did. I took your two sons. But if the, if the menu had continued, I'd have took your life as well. But because you're still here, Naomi, is a sign that it's not over until I say it's over. Your life, Naomi, is to be continued because you're returning to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. I'll tell you in a crowd this size, somebody needs to know. It's not over until God says it's over. You know, when Abraham and Isaac started up the mountain, give Isaac back as a sacrifice, and God stayed the hand of Abraham... He saw a ram in the thicket. He said, don't do that. Don't take Isaac's life. That was God's way of saying, Abraham, it's not over. Until I say it's over, Isaac's life is to be continued. When the three Hebrew boys went into the fiery furnace, there was already one man in there. That was God's way of saying, look, Hebrew boys. Your lives are not over until I say it's over. Your life is to be continued. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God took Daniel's off the menu that day. It was God's way of saying, Daniel, your life is not over until I say it's over. It's to be continued. When Samson, the Bible said, and Samson's hair begin to grow again. That was God's way of saying, you know the story, how Samson went to sleep in the devil's barbershop. And old sugar lips come along. Oh, Sam. Now, Sam, you know how I feel about you. I love you, Sam. Just tell me, Sam, what... what where does your strength lie? Come on, Sam. We're friends. When Potiphar's wife said, Joe, you're a fine-looking hunk. I think that's what the young people say today, hunk. The Bible said he was good to look upon. And daily she went after him. Let me give you three things about fighting adultery and fornication. You don't hear it much. It starts with the letter F. Number one, there's some folks who say, well, just use your faith. When, you, when you're in a situation with a woman or a man, use your faith. Just 
you know, grab a holder of her hand and y'all kneel and pray about it. Let's pray about this thing. That's a big N-O. The second F is fight it. Fight your emotions. Fight it off. Big no. The third word is flight. You need two Nikes, two strong feet and legs, and the king's highway. Get yourself out of there. Saturate that place with your absence. Come on, somebody. Am I on? Oh, I better get off of that, Pastor. I don't know. I don't know why I'm even on that. Because you know how old Sugar Lips talked to him and, and, you know, and tried to get him. He left his coat in her arm. He said, I'd rather lose my coat than my character. I'd rather lose my position than my purity. It's not over until God says it's over. Only two times a year I tell my wife what I'm about to tell you, I tell her. When college football starts, and whenever I'm at home on a Saturday, when I watch Westerns, which I only was home two Saturdays in 2012 because of my travel. And I said to her when I sat down a few weeks ago on a Saturday, is there anything you want to say to me before I sit down? Because I'm going to watch Westerns all day long. Some bandits had Matt Dillon behind some rocks. Shooting at him. I don't know where Festus was. I don't know where Chester was. But they were shooting at him. And I said, somebody better ride up here quick. I thought I was going to have to call for an all-night prayer meeting myself. Matt Dillon being shot, and he was by himself. I looked at the clock, it was ten minutes, I mean two minutes till ten. I looked back, they're still shooting at Matt Dillon. I looked back, it was one minute to ten. Looked back, they were shooting at Matt Dillon. Looked away, ten o'clock, looked back, it said, To be continued. Well, if you ever saw a grown man from general headquarters want to cry, I said, no, I won't be here next Saturday. But God wants somebody here this morning to know your life is not over until God says it's over. Give him a hand clap of praise. My Lord, have mercy. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Nothing just happens. There's a God, big and above all of us. He works out the details right down to the person you marry. They get back to Bethlehem and Ruth says, I think I'll go out and glean in the fields today. Naomi says, good idea, my daughter. Evidently, Naomi had taught Ruth the Leverett Law, which shows up in the book of Leviticus that when you are a foreigner, a widow, or a foreigner, a widow, an orphan, then you could go out and glean in the fields without permission. It was a leverage law. So she knew the law. So verse 3 of chapter 2 says, in one translation it says, And so Ruth just happened... To get into the field that belonged to Boaz. It just sort of, sort of happened. This just sort of happened. And then it just so happens that Boaz rode up on his white horse just at the time that Ruth was in his field. Gleaning the barley. Now you'd like him as a boss because first thing he said, Blessings upon you, my reapers. And they said, And blessings back to you, Mr. Boaz. Then the next thing he said, Wow, who, who, who is this girl? <laughs> King James doesn't do it real justice there. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's the, uh, 
Ruth, the Moabite girl that came back from Moab with Ruth, with the Naomi. That's a, he's, mm, 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 mm. you tell her for me that she should not go to any other field to glean for barley. That she needs to stay in my field. Word was he didn't want anybody else to see her. It was love at first sight. He's getting a bad case of it. Bad meaning good. He said, before you go, uh, tell her as the custom is for the foreigners, the women that's foreigners to draw the water. She don't have to draw no more water. She can drink out of my bucket. The ones that my reapers goes and draws for me. Well, I'll tell her, Mr. Boy. And before you go, tell her whatever she brought in that little brown paper sack for lunch, she don't have to eat what's in there. She can eat at my table with me. Uh, tell her also that she could just glean up there beside all the other reapers like, they're one, like she's one of them. If you read that chapter, you'll find out where she sat at his table and he fed her himself. It was cornbread, I know that. Because one translation said that it was parched corn. That's in the English or the Hebrew. I know the real word is cornbread, I know that. Somebody said to me, one, I, I said, Brother Smith, that, that can't be cornbread. It was parched corn. I said, look, it's my sermon. I'll have cornbread if I want it. <laughs> and she said, why are you being so kind to me, Mr. Boaz? He said, it's been reported to me that you have been kind to your mother-in-law. And because you've been kind to her, I'm going to be kind to you. Mm. Boy, when I heard the pastor say, we're going to build a church in Africa. Oh, Holy Ghost. You better watch out. Because when you build a church somewhere else, when you need one yourself, God says, I'm going to bless you because you bless somebody else. Woo! My Lord, have mercy. I feel God in the house. Man, I'm telling you, you know what? You better be kind to people. Because you're gonna, when you're kind to other people, you're going to have to remember, you'll have to draw somebody's kindness one day yourself. You better be good to people. Be nice to people. My Lord, have mercy. You got to get some. I, my wife and I started doing something about four years ago, especially in the deepest part of the summer when it's hot. I get up about four o'clock on Friday morning. I take four bottles of water, put it up in the freezer unit. And then when I get up at six o'clock to make coffee for my wife, uh, been trying to figure out how to get around all that, but she still got me doing it. <laughs> but she don't, but see, my wife, she's not just, she don't, just don't want coffee. I have to get up. I have to make the coffee. Then I have to put creamer, hazelnut. I want to count hazelnut. I have to put the hazelnut into the microwave for 30 seconds because she says when I pour coffee in it without heating it, it brings the temperature down the coffee. So I was bringing her this coffee. I said, I've got to find a way to, I don't know how I got into all this. I said, I'm going to quit making this coffee. She said, you can't do it. I said, why? She said, the Bible says Hebrews. <laughs> so here I am. I get up at six. I take that four, four bottles of water. I take it out there, and I set it right by my garbage cans. It's half frozen in August. So this particular morning, I was making the coffee, 
I heard the truck coming. I went there and lifted that little old shade. They picked up that water, took a swig out of it, put it in the front of the truck. Now, I've been doing that for four years. And the other day, I said to my wife, honey, you got to come here. She said, what about my coffee? I said, I'll get you a coffee. <laughs> come in here and see this. And there's about 20 houses in our subdivision. And I looked around. And everybody's garbage can. The top was over here. The other part was over here. But my garbage can had the top on it. And they pushed it all the way back around to the back of the house where it came from. Woo! My Lord, have mercy. So I told my wife, I said, I want to I get them a Christmas present. So I, I, we had to call down there to the wherever the uh, garbage pickup thing was and to get their names. There was four of them. And she said, well, why, why do y'all want these names? Well, we want to get them a Christmas present, my wife told the person. She said, well, I've never heard of that. And so we put those gift cards out there. One, two, three. Where do you think we got them at? Huh? Cracker Barrel. <laughs> There'll be Cracker Barrels in heaven, folks, I'm telling you. Because the red back hymnal says everybody will be happy over there. And if I'm going to be happy, i got to have cornbread, pinto beans, a big piece of onion. Glad I'm feeding the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. Now you know what we're going to do. I told my wife, it's time to do this. Now we're going to take them out to eat. That's our next step. And they're going to invite their spouses to come with them, whoever it may be, whether they're married or not married. Don't let that shock you. It's time we start doing things a little bit different. You can't put your fish in one barrel, your salt in the other barrel. You've got to meet people on the level where they are. We're going to take them out to eat, and then the next thing we're going to do is invite them to our house to eat. And tell them about Jesus. It pays to be kind. When you're kind to other people, God will be kind to you. I'm just trying to tell you, get ready, get ready. When you build a church in Africa, God is getting ready to bless you. Let me go to chapter 3. Lord, help me. Sometimes God will close some doors. That he might open bigger and better doors. Now, it had been about three weeks. What had happened now in chapter 2? Boaz said, now, before you go, Ruth, hold out your apron. He filled it full of barley. I mean, just filled up her apron. She goes back home. Naomi said, where did you glean today, my daughter? Well, I was in a field of a man named Boaz. Boaz. Well, did you know that Boaz is our near kinsman? You see, in those days when a woman lost her husband without that husband giving her a son, then the nearest of kin, whether brother or uncle, they'd have to marry her and give her a son to carry on the name of her dead husband. And Naomi said, Boaz? Why, he's one of our relatives. He's a relative of my husband, Elimelech. All of a sudden, this bitter old woman, while Ruth was seeing barley, Ruth saw a baby. Ruth saw a place to glean. Naomi saw a wedding cake. I mean to tell you, you know, when you really, really have genuine hope, I mean, all of a sudden, her bitterness turned to hope. You know what a Christian hope is? A Christian hope 
is regardless of what the circumstances are. You can sing that old song. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. And that's the way Naomi felt. So in chapter 3, they hadn't seen him for three weeks. He gave them so much barley, they didn't see him for three weeks. Then, then finally she said, now, we've got to help Boaz a little bit. Tell you what you do. You go back there in the back room. You get that dress you have never wore. Scholars say that she still had on her mourning dress for her husband. That's several years had gone by. So he said, anoint yourself. Put you something on that smells good. Put that new dress on. Go down to the threshing floor. Boaz is already there. The, 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 the harvest is in. He's guarding his harvest. Don't wake him up now if he's asleep. Going down there. She goes back there, takes her a good hot bath, puts on that new dress, goes down to the threshing floor. There's Boaz laying there guarding his harvest. See, well, I can see you don't get that. Let me try it another way. It was midnight. The stars are shining overhead. Boaz had a full stomach. His harvest was now in. The woman of his dreams laying there at his feet. He wakes up during the night and turns over and feels her there close by. He said, well, who are you? Didn't even recognize her. I'm Ruth the Moabitess that came back from Moab with Naomi. Now, because he was a type of Christ, here's what he said. Get up from there, Ruth. You know, a real friend will guard the reputation of another friend. Because some folks are not very careful with the facts. Hello? Some folks are like the woman I heard about was talking on the telephone. She said, I got to hang up. I've already told you more than they told me. Get up from there, Ruth. We can't do this until God says we can do it. This is bigger than you and me, Ruth. It's bigger than me and you and Naomi. It's bigger than you and me and Naomi and Israel. This is bigger than me and you and Naomi and Israel and the whole world. You'll find out in a few minutes. He said, you get up and you get out of here before daylight. And told his reapers, don't you tell a soul she is here. She slips on out. And we come to chapter 4. The best is yet to come. This works with marriage. It works with churches. It works with relationships. With Jesus, everything is always the best is yet to come. Even when Jesus made wine out of water. They tasted of it. They said, well, usually you serve the best wine first. And after everybody has drank so much, they don't know good from bad. You bring out the bad wine. But you have saved the best to last. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to report to you today that what God has in store for this church. The best is yet to come. Mm. Just like for Ruth, just like for Naomi, and just like for Boaz, God saves the best to last. It's going to be wonderful when it gets here. Boaz said, I know what you want now, Ruth, but I can't do that because... Uh, there's one. There's a guy out there. It's closer to your relatives than me. Uh, his, uh, yeah, he's. I've checked that out at courthouse. He's closer than I am. He gets first choice at you. Now know what you want. And if he don't take you, if he turns you down, I'll be glad to take you. So he gets down to the marketplace where they did their business there. They got all like ten witnesses. Waiting for him to come by. Let him have a name. He said, hey, uh, we'll call him Mr. X. Mr. X, hey, friend, come over here. 
I've got all these witnesses here to hear that. That was their contract. They got ten witnesses here. He said, you know, Naomi's back in town. Yeah, I heard about Naomi and her husband and two sons. It's bad what happened to Naomi. Well, you know, she's got a piece of property across town that's in jeopardy. It's in foreclosure. You're the next of kin. If you, you can purchase that land because that time the land went with the woman. He said, now, if you buy the land, of course, Naomi goes with it. Well, yeah, I, I, can, I can handle some more land. I'll, I'll be glad to. I'm, I'm the first in line. I'm the nearest kinsman. Um, now, before you give your final answer, if you take Naomi, you have to take Ruth as well. Now, now Ruth ain't one of us. She's a foreigner. I don't know if you'd like her. Don't know if you'd get along with her. All the time, wanting her for himself. Well, now, since you put it that way, he said, well, now, think about it real good because, you know, it's your final answer. I said, well, now, okay, I'll take her. I'll take the land. I'll take Naomi and Ruth, and I'll give them a son to carry on the name of her dead husband. He said, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I changed my mind. I, I don't think I want to take that big of a risk with two women, you know. I, uh, I'll let you have her. Boaz says, well, if, if you don't want her, I guess I'm just next in line. I guess I'll just have to take her myself. And then... Chapter 4, verse 13. He went into her. God went into her. And she conceived and brought forth a son named Obed. Then Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. David had Solomon. Solomon had Rehoboam. Well, I see nobody run the aisles over those names either. Let's go back here to Abraham. Abraham, come in here. Abraham, Abraham, can you connect the dots between you and Sarah and Boaz? Yes, it started off with me and Sarah. We had a little boy named Isaac. Isaac had a little boy named Jacob. Jacob had a little boy named Judah. Judah had a little boy named Hezron. Hezron had Ram. Ram had a Minadad. A Minadad, he had... Uh, Nashon. And Nashon had Salmon. Salmon had Boaz. Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. David had Solomon. Solomon, Rehoboam. Then Rehoboam had a son. Then his son had a son. And then his son had a son. Until 1,000 years later, one of these sons had a son whose name was Jacob. And Jacob had fell in love with a 16-year-old little girl named Mary. And they had a son named Jesus. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I like it because I like it when God takes people that thinks they're big wheels, uses them as a little wheel to get His wheel done. Because Caesar Augustus, the founder of the Roman Empire, went out on his balcony one day and said, Oh, look how many, I wonder how many people's under my care. I'll send them all back to their hometown to be taxed. And while they're being taxed, I'll count them, see how many's under my authority. I'm such a big wheel. So Mary and Joseph, with Mary on the donkey, heads toward Bethlehem because it had already been prophesied for over 500 years a king is coming and he shall be born in Bethlehem and the best is yet to come he grew up baptized in the river Jordan nailed to an old rugged cross you say, well, Brother Smith, that's not good news. That is, that's bad news. But the good news is coming. They put him in a borrowed tomb for three days. 
left them a little check sign to be returned in three days. <laughs> and on the third day, those eyes that were stilled in death opened up. Those feet that were stilled in death began to walk. Those eyes that were stilled in death opened. That mouth began to talk. And Jesus Christ came out of that grave. And the best is yet to come. He ascended to the Heavenly Father. And it won't be long till He comes back to gather His children to heaven. Stand to your feet, please. Oh, my Lord. Mm. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house. You're hurting right now. You've wondered recently, where is God when it hurts? Just raise your hand. You've wondered that recently. Lift your hands up high. All right, put them right back down. I wonder if you hear this morning, you say, Brother Smith, I need God to direct my path, not just who to marry, but whether to stay with that marriage. I need God to direct my path. He is a big God. He's able to help me in times of need. I need God's help to guide my path. Lead your, look, lift your hand up, Kai. God bless you. Put your hands right back down. The third group, I want to ask you a question. Do you need God to open a new door for you? Lift your hand up all over this house. A new door of finances. A new door of a relationship. Put them down. Are you here this morning? You're not a Christian, but you want to be. The Lord Jesus died on the cross for you. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to be baptized. You just say, Brother Smith, I'm not a Christian. Pray for me. Lift your hand up. You place it right back down. You're here. You're not a Christian. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to baptize you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not asking you to join the church even. I'm asking you right now, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If, you're, if you don't, but you want to be saved, lift your hand up. Place it right back down. Anybody else? Just say, pray for me. I'm not a Christian. Pray for me. I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Lift that hand up. Place it right back down. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Here's what I want us to do right now. If you raised your hand this morning for any reason, whether you're hurting or if you need an open door or whatever you raised your hand for, I want you to step in the closest aisle to you. Come and stand right here. Let me pray over you before we close. Would you do that, please? Come on. Yes, they're coming. They're coming. Come from every side. Walk into every aisle. If you raised your hand already, you have a need in your life. I want you to just step in the closest aisle. Just come. Just come. Just continue to come. Come up close. Make room for those behind you. We've got a big crowd coming. We've got a big group coming. So come close. Make it close. Spread out to my right. Spread out to my left. But come, come, keep coming. Keep spreading out. Keep coming closer. Make room. Oh, Lord, help us. We need a bigger church. Lord, have mercy. My Lord, have mercy. Now, you that are in your seats, listen to me carefully. I need you to help me today. I want you right where you're standing because we don't have room for you here. When we begin to pray for these needs, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to stretch it toward these men and women, boys and girls, and help us pray for them because some of them are going through some tough situations. They're going through some tough situations. And I want you that have come for prayer to lift your hands so we'll know who you are when we begin to pray. You just lift it and that way we'll know you came for prayer. You that are standing behind those, you reach your hand up in the air and stretch it toward these here and we're going to have some deliverance in this house God is going to open some doors for some people God's going to let somebody know it's not over until he says it's over the Lord's going to come into somebody's heart and somebody's life raise your hands all over this house begin to pray right now and I want our prayer team to raise your hand and lift it forward toward these right now and begin to pray for them right now Father in the name of Jesus name that's above every name lord we know where you are you're right by our side in the times of hurt meet the needs 
only you can do. Lord, I pray you're touched by the power of your Holy Spirit. Meet the needs that only you know how to do. Oh, God. I'm hurting. I'm hurting right now, Lord. Touch my heart. Touch my life. I'm hurting, Lord. Lift your hands and love him all over this house. Lift your God's meeting deeds right here. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Name that's above everything. He's in the house. He's in the house. 